0: And welcome to the Bread, Wine, and Everything Fine podcast, where I'll be talking about all things food, the finer things, and things that are fine just the way they are. I'm your host, Sanja Toth, a bread and wine-loving photographer, wife, and mother who loves gathering people in my home to eat good food and have a good conversation. I learn so much from the people I get to talk to, and I'm very excited to start sharing some of those conversations here on this podcast. We're switching gears today away from pretty food towards ugly, delicious food, as well as a little glimpse into the restaurant industry. On today's episode, I sit down with Sam Lay, a friend I never knew I needed until he made me dinner and has since done so several times. He splits his time between Canmore and Austin. He was formerly a chef now shoots weddings, plays video games for fun and charity, has a dog named Hobbit, and is basically just an all-around rad human who not only loves food, but is incredible in the kitchen. We talk about how television changed his life, the best meal he's ever had, and how he chooses restaurants when he travels. Sam shares a bit about how his parents adapted Vietnamese food with new ingredients when they moved to America, his experiences with both Michelin restaurants and street food, and whether or not he dreams of more professional culinary pursuits. Hi, Sam. Hey, how are you? I am doing very well. I am so excited to have you here. I was thinking about the last time that you were, I think it was the last time you were over, you made me sushi. Yes,
1: that was a fun time.
0: Yes, and I was a month postpartum maybe, Lewis was a month old. Anyways, I hadn't had sushi and it was such a gift. So thank you very oh, much. Oh, You're
1: very welcome.
0: Yes. And even Mitchell who does not like fish and I don't think had ever had nigiri before. Oh, he even had it.
1: I know. it was very impressed it was impressive. It was, he was, he was, he was going for it. He was getting big pieces of salmon.
0: I know this new man, this new man. All right. So I have some questions for you about your food journey.
1: Oh yeah, sure.
0: Let's start at the beginning. Yep. How would you say that your interest in food, whether making it or enjoying it or being interested in it, where did that start for you?
1: Oh, no, this is like, I have like regurgitated this answer probably throughout my whole like okay. career. And it started, I remember my family was taking like a vacation in San Antonio, you know, the lovely San Antonio, the <laughs> Riverwalk, And we were staying in like probably a super eight hotel. And we didn't have cable at home and I remember us like turning the channel to Food Network which had just came on the scene. It was like something brand new and this is like the kind of the start of just I feel like the cooking plethora that just overtook the media. And I remember like watching the first Iron Chef, the, the one from Japan with like the dubbing, though the, the yes. really bad dubbing and just the music and just this like pomp and circumstance to it all, which I'd never seen in my life and like I'm like what the hell is this? They're like cooking turtle. They're like (laughs) Iron Chef, like Japan versus like these Italian. Like it was just nuts. It was just like football meets cooking. And I was just like enthralled by this. And I was like, when we got home back to El Paso, I was like, mom and dad, we have to get cable. We have to get Food Network. <laughs> you know, this is what every seventh I was going to
0: say, like, we have to get knives. No, to... <laughs> no. This is
1: what every seventh grader is saying is like, yeah, we have to get cable so I can watch Food Network. And I was just in love with it. Like I, like Alton Brown, like he married like a lot of science with cooking and like Anthony Bourdain like did a lot of traveling and just like, it was just my way of like seeing the world for the first time. Mm.
0: I really, really like that. I had no idea, actually, that it was cable. (laughs) Yeah,
1: thank you, television, for everything in my life.
0: So would you say, so that was kind of like the first time you were exposed to even like the world of food. Would you say that like growing up, your parents cooked like experimentally or were they kind of like, I know my mom has her set dishes that like if we had someone coming over, I knew it was going to be like one of four things. Or was it, were they kind of more?
1: I I would say our, our household wasn't in the sense of like, I feel like looking at my wife's schedules, like they had like meatloaf night and like chicken and rice night. And it was like stuff was very like irrepe- repetitive where my parents was like, they came from a country with, they only knew how to cook one way, which, which was Vin- Vietnamese. And so they came to America in the middle of Kansas where they're not going to have those ingredients. And they had to like, kind of like on the fly figure things out. Like so we have a stir fry, which is normally made with like Chinese noodles, but we don't have Chinese noodles here. Or Vietnamese noodles, I'm not entirely sure. So we used like spaghetti and it like it's kind of ingrained in a weird way of like I really love like whole wheat spaghetti with my stir fry now because that's what we grew up with. Right. And so like I am the youngest and there's like a big gap, like a seven and ten year gap between my siblings mm-hmm. and I so my mom raised them. And so my dad felt bad that he missed my siblings growing up. So he really took onus to like really raise me and he really cooked for me. And so like, I, he really experimented with cooking cool. and he was he's always like the cook in my house, I would say. Okay. So like cooking has been there for throughout my whole life, I would say.
0: Right, okay. And then, yeah, I think that's actually really interesting about having to adapt um, ingredient wise. I didn't even think about that coming to Kansas.
1: <laughs> I, would, I mean like I didn't feel like Asian ingredients didn't really become global until like 2000s mm-hmm. like when cooking became cool like thanks television like yeah. it became such a fad like that's like oh yeah we people want to eat in a non-western way let's start giving ingredients like that yeah yeah
0: absolutely and so from grade 7 on yeah did you get cable
1: Yes, we got, we got cable. I actually, one of my electives in um, high school was a cooking class. I was a senior year. So that was like neat. Like,
0: Was that the first time that you kind of were more hands-on?
1: Um, so after we got Food Network, I, I was like addicted and I just started cooking on my own. Like one of the first things I learned how to make was a cheesecake, like Alton Brown's cheesecake on a springform pan with steaming. So like cheesecake is always a like
0: Interesting. fond so, like, place
1: in my heart. Like I don't make a ton of it, but it was like, One of the first things I learned, and like, it was just fun. I also learned how to make cream puffs. So that was like the second thing. I I baked a lot. Okay, so
0: more baking before cooking. Yes. Okay. And then, so high school. You were in a culinary class of some kind. Yes. And then post-secondary, did you have like goals to pursue culinary arts outside of high school or where so, did that go?
1: So yeah, I, I looked at universities and just the uh, price difference in tuition between a cooking school and like just a normal university just was obscene. It's like almost double. So I decided to study chemistry instead of okay. going to cooking school. But after I graduated, I actually, um, I became a dishwasher and I worked my way up and cooking and eventually I became a sushi chef but while I was dishwashing I was also teaching organic chemistry lab at UT. Oh my goodness. But I, <laughs> that job allowed me the flexibility of a full-time job that but I only great. had to work 25 hours a week because I could grade whenever I wanted to. Plus benefits which is yes, uh, you Canadians really don't have to <laughs> worry as much about healthcare in that regard. Yeah, yeah
0: absolutely and then you worked your way up to becoming a sushi chef. Yes And what did that look like and how long?
1: Um, it was a very humbling job to be a dishwasher, like to go from like all-nighters studying and just, you're like, hey, you're expected to mop, you're, I just remember the first time they are like, hey, go clean the bathroom, and I was like, what? (laughs) Like, I guess it makes sense that I'm supposed to be doing that, I just didn't know I was just assuming I'm just washing dishes. I didn't know right. I was like cleaning everything and making sure at, everything at the end of the night was swept and mopped and everything, but it's a very humbling experience and mm-hmm. it's really taught. Honestly, cooking has taught me so much about my life in the sense of like the way I think, the way I organize, the way I prep everything in my life. Like I, I'm very OCD.
0: Like even outside of the kitchen?
1: Yes, like okay. before a wedding, like I'm a wedding photographer, mm-hmm. I will just make sure everything. all my lenses are clean, all my batteries are charged. Like. 2 days before a wedding like it's something in cooking is mise en place i don't know if you're familiar it's, no i'm not i think it's everything in its right place it's a rough translation it's like before you cook anything you cut everything up like the vegetables yes. the meat everything is prepped so when you're actually cooking you just have everything there you're not like
0: Wait. putting
1: onions in and then chopping crap and then like oh my onions are overcooked like you're yes. you're prepped
0: when I was working at Ridge Estate Hotel yeah. in Pritis, um, I remember it was a privilege to work in the same building as a master chef. Yeah. And he definitely had his, like, what are they called? Well, would it be prep chefs or sous chef? Or yes. Or not sous chef. What would be, is it just prep chef? I mean, chef? you could
1: have a prep chef. Or yeah. like, yeah, I, mostly everybody who works at their own station preps for themselves. Right
0: and i just for like larger events and definitely they would pull on people just for that reason like chopping and preparing vegetables and ingredients to go for like mass mass meals when you're serving 180 yeah. people at once and yeah it was it was very cool to and because it's an open concept kitchen being able to walk by and see them at work was it was very, very cool for someone who is not, I'm not educated in uh, any way when it comes to food. It was kind of my first exposure actually.
1: It's it's a weird kind of ballet of everything. Like you are accountable for yourself and you hope everyone else is accountable mm-hmm. and you all work together to, to feed everybody. Mm-hmm. Like it's this beautiful ballet of just movement and not getting in people's way and not stabbing someone obviously. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: And he was also, um, trained in France um, and then came to Canada um, and met his wife who is a pastry chef. Oh, awesome. So he cooked uh, a lot of it was a, a lot of French but then also his sushi was Oh my gosh, yeah. Fantastic. So anyways, that's why it was such a treat that you made a sushi. Anyways, uh. I would love to talk to you a little bit about your travel eating because I love following along when you go <laughs> places on Instagram. And what for you, so say you're choosing a destination, do you choose it based on the food or often is it you have the destination you're going and then you research the food? Because you said you like to prepare before you go. So my thought is that you must (laughs) research before you leave.
1: The, The odd thing enough is I feel like a lot of our travels are based kind of out of work. Like in the sense of like we are visiting friends and shooting a wedding. Right. Or I, I feel like the only thing we've ever visited for fun was Vietnam. And honestly, we are going to a wedding like two weeks after. But we were like, hey, we're on that neck of the woods of the world near Australia. Where can we go? Vietnam was relatively close. Right. And honestly, we mostly get boarding. Like, I think my wife researches the boarding and makes sure like it's like a good location with a lot of mass transit. But that's kind of it when we travel. We don't really look up what to do. We don't really get reservations on where to mm-hmm. eat. It's usually like, okay, we're here right now. Where do we go?
0: Okay. So it's a little bit more on the fly. Yes. And where would you find your ideas? Like when you're searching for places to eat, oh. are you asking locals? Are you checking social media? Are there like resources or people or places you've heard of, like how I do know, you put totally. it together?
1: Um, so like we stay in a lot of Airbnb's and they have like a lot, the, the owner usually has like a good reference point. And so I look on that list and I'm pretty old school, so I will just Google best food in <laughs> blank city, open 20 tabs, and like read something. Yeah. And so I usually try to get like one really good, nice meal in mm-hmm. there. And then everything else I would say I want to do, like the locals generally try mm-hmm. to do. Nothing too touristy, but there's something where I'm like, okay, I really need to get that. I, I will probably wait in line.
0: So when you were, for example, I think it was in Montreal. Yes. And yes, we do just stock your travels. <laughs> um, you, I saw that you had kind of like a wide spectrum of places that you went. There was some fine dining. There was some, um, I'm pretty sure it was like a, just lots of bagels. Yes. Uh, of oh, course. Yeah. I have never been to Montreal. It is a dream of mine. So when we you you go, go, you're going to have to make us a list because <laughs> that is why we would go. I no. think would be for food
1: in mind. I mean with Montreal like I would visited once maybe in high school with my family and I just remember it being kind of a miserable experience like traveling with my parents it's very like safe like Mm -hmm. we will go to like a safe area and maybe get like a mediocre meal it'll be okay so I was surprised I think maybe nostalgia and just like had a different memory on my mind but when I went to Montreal I was like blown away how cool the scene it was like it was it's beautiful we were there at a beautiful time and it was just like a hip food city mm-hmm. and honestly like our airbnb had a really good spectrum of places to go and social media was like honestly it's so surprising i'm so surprised at how effective social media mm-hmm. is when you ask people like what are your favorite places to go here and people like throw out like oh my god you need to go to this vegetarian place called love which i was like okay sure well from our friend i think danny recommended it but like we were blown away at like how good plant-based food can Mm -hmm. be and I'm like so blown away of like how good in like just the 2000s plant food plant-based food has just gone and Mm -hmm. are served like I'm not even looking forward to like to meat anymore as much
0: absolutely I think even just having access to that on Instagram is so great when we travel for sure we'll throw it out there because what's the harm and and then of course you can google to make sure it might be up your alley yeah it is amazing because then you don't have to go through so much sorting through reviews and things like that to find really good food okay what is the best And worst meals you've ever had while traveling. This week's little local feature breaks away from the sweet treats and is home to some of the most incredible flavors Mitchell and I have ever experienced. We actually find any excuse to celebrate anything and order takeout. If you love Thai food, keep listening. And if you don't love Thai food, also keep listening because the white elephant is about to change your mind. The coconut rice is honestly unmatched, and I definitely eat it cold without sauce from time to time if there happen to be leftovers. We've tried to replicate it so many times and never come close. The green curry, the cashew chicken, the soups, the pad thai, the curries, you guys, it is so incredible. We've never been to Thailand ourselves, but anyone we know who has tells us it's the closest thing to what they've experienced while traveling. It started as a Valentine's Day tradition, you know, take out and make out, and now it's become an anniversary tradition, an end-of-wedding-season tradition, and a tradition to have with people who have never had it before. So, all in all, you need to go. Uh, like, if someone <laughs> could ask you, like, where in the world would you go to eat the best meal you've ever had? I,
1: I mean, that's just easy. That's easy for me just to describe. It's Vietnam, and I have a weird just disconnection with my background. Like, I'm Vietnamese, but, like, I didn't really grow up in a household that really was, like, root like you're going to wear your, your Vietnamese heritage proudly. It's like, you want to like fit in with the, and be American as possible. Like, okay. so I, I don't really have a connection to Vietnam. So like going back there was just, it was nice. Like the connection I have with my country, I've like determined is through, through my food. Okay. And like just seeing the dishes that my parents would make were like 95% there that was at Vietnam like the food that I was eating was like oh my gosh this is like pretty identical my parents did a very good job Mm -hmm. of like emulating Vietnamese food not having enough Vietnamese ingredients and so like it
0: probably felt like home even though it was I mean it it is home but
1: it wasn't like I I don't speak Vietnamese and it's funny going through the country you're like people would be like oh you're Chinese but like through the middle part of the country where, where my dad was from, they're like, oh, you're from here. We know that you're Vietnamese. Like it was like the weirdest like homecoming feeling in my life.
0: That's incredible.
1: Like, yeah, it, Vietnam, when you go there, you visit, you cannot throw a stone without seeing food or being just like mobbed by food because there's like, everyone's just cooking. Everyone's selling food, fruit, meat on the street. Like it is a country full of food and that's like- It seems
0: I'm, to be the li- like the lifestyle. Yes. Is food.
1: Yeah. People make a lot of their money through selling food or making it like, and just the best meal I've had was like my wife and I were like walking past this thing and I'd never seen like these Vietnamese hand rolls that were grilled at your table. And I was like, what is this? And so we just went there drinking like, I don't know what this meal cost, but like we were just drinking beers on like these little stool, plastic stools (laughs) and just like having the time of our lives and just wrapping food and watching people and just like eating this Vietnamese barbecue with like beers in our hands. And I was like, this is, this is my, this is the life. Like I love fancy food. I love like taking through a journey, a story that these chefs are taking you through. But man, just sitting on that bench and on that floor and the plastic stool was so much fun. Like it was just distilled food to its simplicity. Like the story was just being in that area, watching mm-hmm. people like just sitting in those stools. That was the story. That's what their the message was, I don't know.
0: Yeah, and it was probably a fraction of the cost. Oh like my God! A Michelin star. Oh meal. yes, ridiculously <laughs>
1: cheap, man. It Which was... I
0: know you have done as well. Yes, you have experienced some incredible meals. I am sure. Were you just in Chicago? And yes. You went to...
1: Yes, I went to a two Michelin star restaurant that my friend uh, recently got hired by, and like, it really, truly was an a feast, an adventure. Like, there's so much asparagus, and like, <laughs> it because it was spring. It was a spring, so it's they're very local. And it was was Smith, and, like, it was, like, one of the best meals of my lifetime. Like, I wrote, like, I don't know, I've gotten weirdly into Google reviews because I've been bored, and it's, like, my (laughs) pastime now. And, like, it is, like, a meal that I will, like, if I'm dying and everything's flashing through my lives, I will think about that meal because it was just... There was just so much care and thought mm-hmm. in, in every dish.
0: But how would those, would you say, would the the difference be just kind of that feeling of, like, connection to the place and the food in Vietnam in comparison to, like, a Michelin star? Like, how do you even compare those?
1: It's some weird way of... It's apples... I don't know, man. It, the food is, like, the spectrum where mm-hmm. it's, like... Is it a fair fight to compare, like, the street food vendor to, like, a two Michelin star with like... 20 people working there on a dish or like, I don't know. I don't know. Mm -hmm. I'm a weird kind of juxtaposition of like, I love fine food, but I also love like really kind of grungy food as Mm -hmm. well. Like I just love food in general.
0: I really appreciate um, Ugly Delicious. Yeah. Chang's Ugly Delicious, I think for that reason, Um, because I think there is almost an expectation that in order for food to be quality, it has to be pretty or it has to be aesthetically pleasing or be trendy. But good food is just like good food and it doesn't always look. (laughs) Oh no. Oh, totally not. And to use what's in your fridge may not always turn out to be like the most pretty thing. So I also appreciate watching you on social media, just figuring out what you're going to make for dinner. Like it's, it's fun and just seeming, it seems like you're really enjoying that process
1: uh yeah i mean it it's in the sense i figured out like what i kind of also like about i'm a wedding photographer again like just adapting is like something i find fun in problem solving and i feel like on a wedding day i'm like just problem solving and adapting with the light with the interactions of the people and the same way food if i'm like okay i have these ingredients in my fridge what can i compose with it what can i do with these things and Sometimes it works. I was like, hey, I have some yogurt. You know what? I'm just going to add miso to this. Let's see what this tastes like. And it was like the worst thing I've <laughs> ever put together in my life. It like haunted me. And like when I ate it, I was like, I was like, okay, maybe it's something I can try to fix. And I like tried to fix it. Was like, they made it way worse. And I was like, you know what? I haven't failed like this ever in like a very long time, but I was like so re- like refreshing to fail that badly and being like, you know what i went for it you know this could have been amazing and i would have been great but like this is so horrible and i'm really glad i have this feeling of failure Yeah, like failing is good
0: and i think a lot of people feel overwhelmed when they look in their fridge like to see ingredients and if it doesn't fit with a recipe they know or i think some people i know for myself i'm learning more about food and flavor and like what works well together and but like for a long time looking in my fridge would be terrifying because it's like, I don't actually know a dish off the top of my head and so this doesn't, I can't just look and see the ingredients and it becomes something in my head. I don't have that gift (laughs) at all. But I think that's very cool and that you enjoy doing that too.
1: I don't know if it's exactly a gift. I think it's just in a sense of repetition. Like you on a wedding day, it's like you innately kind of know what to do in a situation Mm -hmm. or like, if you if you don't have an idea, you're like okay backlight. I know maybe put them in the backlight, do something here, and then maybe I can maybe something can like ex- come up from this idea, yeah. and you'll experiment. And same thing with cooking. Like
0: that's true.
1: You get like a repertoire of recipes that you can fall back on, and you're like oh maybe maybe I can do this. Oh this isn't that far away from this. Maybe I can you know do like mm-hmm. add something, and it turns into this. Like and just experiment. It's all about experimentation.
0: It is, and that's scary, I think, exactly for that reason of failure. Like, what if you mess up, and you, especially when you have people coming over. Oh,
1: no, definitely. <laughs> uh, when you have people coming over, it's hard to experiment. You're like, yeah. I'm just going to have a banger and make sure everyone's happy.
0: <laughs> yeah. So, as you look towards food in the future, I would imagine that you are going to be doing more traveling, and probably, I appreciate your food reviews when you go places. <laughs> uh, uh, Sam reviews. Okay. Um, but... Are you, what do you picture food looking like? Cause you are a wedding photographer. That is your career. Yeah. Would you ever move back into the world of food I, as a job? Like, has that ever crossed your mind? As, like, I, I, as a I, I, I do
1: like flirt with it. I don't know. I just, I don't know if I have it in me. Like I am too bougie. I am too <laughs> laid back to live that lifestyle of working 60 hour weeks. I mm-hmm. think again, I think I'm just, Fairly happy where I am with my career right now Mm -hmm. and honestly like Photography used to be like my escape like it used to be my hobby. It was something I did for Mm -hmm. fun But now it's work. It's kind of funny where my fun again is food like after I quit being a chef I it felt like a failure man. I I know I talked about failure being fun But it was like something I had dreamed about being Mm -hmm. since in seventh grade. What is that 12? since I was 12 to like 24 I had been pining for this and so like when I quit because I just was not enjoying the environment I just felt like I felt. I was like man my parents were right not to be a chef like oh my god I like and I hate when my parents are right especially like Asian parents it's like you can only be a doctor or a lawyer and it's like no I want to do this and it's like
0: Right. Yeah. Oh, like, yeah. I don't want
1: them to know this <laughs> yeah but um it's fun to come back to it as just something playful that I'm enjoying so
0: with no pressure with
1: no pressure yeah. so like if I do go to back back to it like I will I I feel if I feel like I have something to like give out that's different I will maybe go back but right now I'm just enjoying kind of the ride and just kind of the the, the playfulness and like the stress relief that it gives me
0: and how wonderful to have even a career that can pay for the food yes no <laughs> experience that helps that helps it does okay so we end every episode with the same questions sure so the first question is if you were to go out to eat what is your go to order so for myself for okay, kids, yes fish yeah i don't do fish well
1: like you cook it or you eat you don't eat fish well
0: like, oh I eat oh I okay. eat fish. Well, <laughs> okay, 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 okay. <laughs> You're like, oh. I don't do a, a good job of like doing it justice. What would you look so scan the menu, what would be like your go-to? Obviously you eat at lots of different places, but if you had to pick one thing. Uh,
1: I'm gonna cop out here okay. because I'm not gonna lie. I usually get something where I'm like, I don't actually know what this is a hundred percent, but I'm gonna order it because it sounds fun. Like, we went to this place, um, Sorry, it was Dai in Austin. And they had this thing that, like, described a sandwich in broth. I was like, I've never heard of this, but I'm gonna get it just to see what the heck it was. And it was, like, legitimately, like, it was, like, a half, like, two halves of a sandwich in a bowl with filled with broth. And I was like, oh, so this is, like, a kind of like a Mexican au I didn't, like, picture it like this. I don't know, like, I will usually get something where I'm like, I have no idea what this is, but I would just go for it, like.
0: Yeah, you're I'm, very not, brave.
1: I'm not I'm not a club sandwich kind of guy.
0: Okay. <laughs> and then if you were to pick a meal to cook at home. Say you're having people over or maybe not even having people over, but what would be like your go-to? Okay. I'm going to kill it. It's going to be perfect.
1: I I I'm glad my my wife and I like discussed this like when we were having some friends over and I was like there's this thing I think from where my dad's region is in Vietnam, it's called like Hoi An chicken. And it's something I did grow up with. And it's like, it's like you, you cook a chicken and it's broth. And apparently in Vietnam, we found out when we went there, chicken is like an expensive item over there. Which is kind of funny because in the West, it's like chicken. chicken Yeah, a dollar. You take all this chicken. It comes with a tire. But, um, yeah. So they cook this chicken broth and then they cook rice in the chicken broth so it like absorbs. I think you made this for us. Oh yeah I think I I actually did yeah after a wedding. so delicious. Yeah you're right. So
0: continue telling because the listeners will maybe not understand. So it's
1: just like chicken and rice essentially with like a soy sauce and vegetables and it like it just to me it's, it's home cooking and I just I love home cooking I'm just I'm gonna cop out like I love fine dining but like just feeling like you're back home Mm-hmm. It was just such a great feeling.
0: Yes. I do remember that. I think it was post wedding and we were in my head. It was cold and miserable. And we ended up. I thought you were talking about the chicken, right? Oh now. no. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I thought was room temp. Maybe a little warmer, not cold, but okay. It was really delicious. No, it was good. I always enjoy when we get Sam's cooking for sure. We're trying to do it justice and give you some of our home cooking. Oh, we're no, working you, on it. Oh it's lovely. <laughs> Thank <working> you so
1: much. <laughs> like, If anyone like just appreciates when you go out of the way to cook for them, like if anyone is like this is an up to my standards, fuck them.
0: Yeah,
1: (laughs) you are going out of your way. You're giving like a piece of your heart and soul to somebody Mm -hmm. cooking for them. Like I, that's all I want is just. Just to be pampered.
0: <laughs> yep. Okay, well, we will do our best to pamper you and eat all the food. Anyways, yes. this has been wonderful. Thank you so much for taking the time to come oh, and chat with me. Oh, thanks for having me. And maybe we'll have to have you back. We can talk more more food travel things. Oh, yeah. That'd be great. That'd be great. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Bread, Wine, and Everything Fine podcast. I have a feeling Sam will have to come back because I felt like our time together wasn't long enough and I have so many questions for him. As I mentioned last week, I am so grateful for the kind words and messages I've received from listeners. I so appreciate it. And if you have a minute and you've been enjoying what you've been hearing on the podcast so far, it would mean the world if you could leave a review on iTunes. And if you haven't subscribed already, hit that button and you will never miss an episode.